Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Hosts of Eden, written and performed by Jay McFarland. Episode 4, The Escape. Well, last time on the Hosts of Eden, Marion became more and more convinced that something strange is going on. She learned that both Mason and Shelby were real people, at one time at least. Not just a personality adopted by somebody with multiple personality disorder. She also grew more and more troubled as it became clear that the person in the White House seems to be bent on starting World War III. So later that day, we find Marion again in her apartment. She's pacing back and forth, drinking wine, going from her laptop to the television... Now the 24-hour news cycle is fixated on the recent moves of the president in the White House, stating that these moves are almost universally disagreed with. Marion simply cannot believe the events of the last few weeks. She keeps hoping that she'll wake up from this terrible dream. Then she hears a sound that she's become all too familiar with and does not want to hear ever again breaking news. Russia has begun moving military resources into the region. Iran has indicated that it will do the same. Other countries in the area appear to be choosing sides. Meanwhile, members of Congress on both sides of the aisle are gathering to see if there's any way to overturn the president's most recent actions. What is going on, Marion thinks to herself. It's like the world is about to end. Could she somehow have a role in this? Some part to play? And all of a sudden, in that moment, her mind snaps into clarity. And she decides that she has no choice. She has to help Johnny escape. She has to take him to go and see his friend Walter Payne. She has to try.
The next day at the research facility, Marion has let Johnny President know that she has decided to help him. But obviously this is not without a lot of concerns. She says to Johnny President, look, let's just say that we do get out of here. We can't control when Shelby, the four-year-old, or when the others will come out. How do we even know if you'll be there to talk to your friend Walter when we get there? This is a major problem. Johnny President responds to her confidently. He says, you know what? Don't even worry about that. We've got it figured out. Well, sort of anyway. Sort of, Marion says. What do you mean, sort of? Johnny President, again with confidence, says, We've figured out how to change. What do you mean, change? Marion says. You know, our personalities. Now that everyone inside Johnny knows what's going on, we can simply give up and the other person can come forward. We've been practicing and it works. Mostly. Mostly, Marion says. Well, again, as you're pointing out, the uh, the uncontrollable is Shelby. She might be an issue. She's only four. She doesn't understand what we're telling her. All she knows is she wants to get out and play and look for her dolly. Oh, great, Marion says. So everything is fine, except for the four-year-old girl that might just come Popping out at any moment of the day. Well, Johnny President says reassuringly, I think we have a plan for that as well. You see, after she's been out for a while, we can force her back in. And then she's fine for a little bit. So all we have to do is let her out as often as we can. And then we should be able to keep her in when we need one of the others. This is just madness, Marion says. Yeah, I know it is, Johnny President responds. But it's our only hope. The question is, how are you going to get us out of here? Marion responds confidently. Actually, that's the easiest part of all of this. You see, I'm your doctor, and all I really have to do is tell them you're ready for a halfway house. If I can convince them... They'll let me walk you right out the front door. But you have to be Johnny when we walk out that door. If any of the other personalities come out, especially Shelby, we'll be done for. Okay, Johnny President says, we can do that. Great, Marion says. Now all I have to do is figure out what happens after we get out. Johnny President smiles. What are you smiling at, Marion says. You forget, Marion, we have a Marine with a very special set of skills on our side. Johnny leans back in his chair, closes his eyes, and is silent for a moment. When Johnny opens his eyes, Marion can clearly see that the president is no longer there. Just by his mannerisms and his tone of voice, Marion knows that Mason is now in control of Johnny's body. We'll call him Johnny Mason from here on out, so you know when he's in control. Hello, Dr. Marion. It's been a while. Hello, Sergeant Mason, Marion says. Okay, listen. We need to get down to business. We don't have a lot of time, Johnny Mason says. 
I need you to write this down. It's very important. We have to plan for every single contingency. Mason proceeds to give her a list of things that need to be done before they escape. He explains to her things that she never would have thought of. He says, you need to get out a bunch of cash. We can't be tracked by your credit cards. Buy a used car for cash. That way, that way they won't know what vehicle to look for. And when you get out the cash and when you buy the car, conceal your identity and your appearance. Bring plenty of changes of clothes for you, but also for us. And go out and buy those reloadable mobile phones, those burner phones. Don't bring your own. I figure we're going to make it look like you were abducted by Johnny or somebody else and we'll leave your phone behind. That way, if something happened, you can deny that you were ever involved. The truth is, Marion, that once this gets started, there's no telling how long we'll be out there or where we'll end up. Marion writes down every single word nervously. She still cannot believe that she's about to do this. Once she has a completed list from Johnny Mason, she looks up and she says, so how exactly are you going to make sure Shelby doesn't come out when we're walking out the door? Or any other time for that matter. Well, here's our plan so far, Johnny Mason says. We're going to let her out until she's so tired that she won't want to come out for days. Hopefully, hopefully that will work. So all you have to do is tell the staff to contact you when Johnny is back. That's how you'll know it's time. Marion thinks it sounds as good as any other thing she can think of. She agrees. She has Johnny taken back to his quarters. And she leaves to begin checking off every item on the list. Over the next few days, she accomplishes each of the tasks. And she drinks a lot of wine. Every single moment, she is dreading the ring of her phone, knowing that it will probably be the end of her current existence. Meanwhile, at the same time, hostilities in the Middle East continue to escalate, with each escalation reminding Marion about the urgency of their situation. Then, her phone rings. A few hours later, we find Marion at the medical facility. She's walking down the main hallway with Johnny towards the final checkpoint of the facility. She looks very nervous, but manages to keep it together. Johnny is actually Johnny, and we'll call him Johnny, so you know when Johnny's in control of his body. As they approach the checkpoint, she hears the voice of her supervisor calling her. Hey, Marion, what's going on? Marion musters as much strength and courage as she can. Oh, nothing. I'm just checking out Johnny and taking him to the halfway house. Halfway house, her, her supervisor asked. I thought you were having all kinds of problems with him, even new personalities. Marion 
scrounging for excuses and explanations, says, yeah, it was really a pretty rough go. But then all of a sudden he changed. It's like that last personality triggered something. And he's had no new episodes at all. I want to get him out there and see if it helps him recover. That's a little bit quick, don't you think? Her supervisor looks towards Johnny. How do you feel about it? Johnny, knowing the gravity of the situation, says, Um, well, I I feel great. I don't remember the last time my head was this clear. Her supervisor responds, You don't seem too sure. Marion interrupts them both. Trust me, he's, he's doing great. I'm going to keep a very close eye on him. This may be the breakthrough that we've been looking for. Her supervisor sits back and thinks for a minute. It feels like an eternity to Johnny and Marion. All she is thinking is, please, Johnny, hold it together. And all of a sudden, Johnny feels Shelby trying to break through. He tries to fight her off and starts to shake a little bit. Are you sure you're okay? The supervisor asks. Um, yeah, Johnny says. I'm just a little nervous. I I don't know what it's going to be like out there. It's been years. Marion can tell that Johnny is struggling, but she doesn't want to appear rushed. Her supervisor says, you keep me in daily contact about him, okay? The first sign of an issue, I want him right back in here. Any problems will reflect very poorly on this facility, and I will have none of that. You can count on me, Marion says. Don't worry. She grabs Johnny and leads him to the door. As she has buzzed through the gate, she can tell Johnny is losing his grip. They start to walk faster and faster through the front door. Then several steps into the parking lot, Marion's thinking, Oh, we've made it. And then Shelby has complete control. Hey, where are we going? She says. We're just going to go to the store. Come on, we have to go, Shelby. Shelby turns around and starts to head back inside. I forgot my dolly, she says. Marion grabs Shelby by the hand and starts to pull her towards the car. Shelby starts crying. We have to get my dolly. I want my dolly. Marion responds like any parent. Shelby, we have to go. We have to go right now. The problem is that although Shelby is a four-year-old girl, she's inside Johnny, a full-grown man who's very strong. Marion can't just pull her against her will to the car. Johnny Shelby, as we'll call him from now on when Shelby's in control, starts to march right back through the front door. Marion is racking her brain to find out how she can entice Shelby back to the car. In an attempt to just try anything, she says, Hey, Shelby, do you want some ice cream? Shelby stops immediately, stops crying instantly. Ice cream? She immediately takes Marion's hand and stops crying as if there was never a problem. Ice cream, she yells. They quickly get into the car and drive away. Then Marion realizes that she never asked where they are going. She doesn't know which way to drive. Turn right, turn left, go straight. She has no idea. 
What she does know is Shelby's in the car saying, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. She realizes she's not going to get out of that promise. So she drives to the local ice cream store with the hopes that Johnny Shelby will eat some ice cream and then allow the others to come forth. As they arrive at the ice cream shop, Johnny Shelby pops out of the car. Yay, ice cream! I haven't had ice cream in forever! Marion responds to Johnny Shelby sternly. Shelby, you have to be on your best behavior or no ice cream, okay? Shelby agrees and they go inside. Johnny Shelby skipping all the way. As they get inside, Marion asks Johnny Shelby, what flavor do you want? Johnny Shelby responds, ooh, what flavors do they have? Marion forgot that Shelby doesn't know how to read. Marion's trying to act normal in front of the employee behind the counter, knowing that it has to look pretty strange that a full-grown man is acting like a young girl. She begins to read the flavors out to Shelby. Shelby is undecided. Um, um, no, um. Johnny Shelby's bending down with her face to the glass, fogging up the glass and getting fingerprints everywhere. She's looking at each of the flavors. The young employee looks very confused. Marion again sternly says, Shelby, come on. We don't have all day. Choose or I'll choose for you. Shelby finally chooses. The employee hands the ice cream to Johnny Shelby, and they walk out of the front door again, Shelby skipping all the way with excitement. It really has been an eternity since Johnny or Shelby or any of them had had ice cream. Customers coming inside the store trying to figure out this sight of this full-grown man skipping and eating ice cream. Marion rushes them both into the car. A few miles down the road and Marion looks over at Shelby and ice cream is melting and dripping all over the place. Shelby, you're dripping, she says. You have to lick the sides. I am, I am, Shelby says as she continues to just lick the top. The ice cream continues to drop, and it's just making a mess everywhere. Shelby, Marion says, lick the sides, the sides, you're dripping. Shelby again continues to lick the top of the ice cream cone, saying, I am licking, I am licking. Marion grumpily pulls over the car. Here, give me that, she says. She grabs the cone and starts licking the sides. Hey, that's mine, Johnny Shelby says. That's mine, that's mine, give it back. Marion says, look, lick the sides. Okay, okay, Johnny Shelby says. Marion hands back the cone and Shelby starts to lick the top again. Marion finally gives up. She remembers this is not her car. It's just a cheap junker that she bought so that they can hide their escape. Who cares if it gets covered with ice cream? After a few more minutes, she looks over at Johnny Shelby. A 47-year-old man with ice cream all over his face, his beard, down the front of his shirt and on his pants. Marion can't help but laugh at the sight. In fact, she starts to break into really loud, almost frantic or hysterical laughter at the whole situation. Honestly, it was laugh or cry. 
at these crazy circumstances. As they drive, Shelby eventually gets tired and falls asleep. Marion finds a safe place to pull over and wait for Johnny or Mason or the president to come out so she can find out where Walter Payne lives. She's exhausted over the events of the day. She quickly falls asleep as well. Next time on The Hosts of Eden, Dr. Marion and Johnny make their way to the home of Walter Payne. Somehow, they have to convince him that this person, Johnny, is actually the president. And that the president in the White House is a dangerous imposter. But they won't be able to tell him why or how this happened. And they have no idea what to do, even if he believes them. And not only that, soon they realize that they've got the attention of someone else. Well, I'm going to the beach where I belong. It's Coca-Cola Nights at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. And Wednesday and Thursday nights after 5. Bring a Coca-Cola can and get... Unlimited rides for just $14.95. Well, they want, they Wednesday and Thursday nights after 5. Unlimited rides for just $14.95. At the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk. In the warm California sun. <laughs>